Big Finish for the love of stories. You're listening to the Big Finish podcast, released date the 19th of June, 2022. His personalities are wild and varied. Sometimes he's cunning, a master planner. Sometimes he has the mind of a child. And sometimes he's psychotic. Right now, as the Nine, he's a kleptomaniac. He's an extremely dangerous man. So you say. I do say, Mr. Policeman, I do. I'm Benji Clifford, he's Nick Briggs, and welcome to Big Finish's world of audio drama for the love of stories. Benji and I will be chatting about Jekyll and Hyde out this August. Following that, the good review guide this week, we're talking about Torchwood Empire of Shadows. Starring Sean Parks as Zachary Cross Flane. Why does the Emperor want Torchwood here? Then we're off behind the scenes with the fourth Doctor Adventures The Nine, The Dreams of Avarice by Guy Adams, starring Tom Baker. Yes. Do you know how long I've been sitting here on my own? Following that, it's once again time to open your ear inbox with listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. And that'll be promising electronic mail delights a plenty. In our also available segment, we'll be investigating Torchwood Dead Plates by David Llewellyn, featuring the virtually legendary Murray Melvin as the terrifying Billis Manger. I believe it's what they call a locked room mystery. Then the randomoid Selectatron will once again be giving you a 25% discount on a randomly selected (laughs) Big Finish release. (laughs) And through our audio time-space visualizer, we can give you a hint of what that might be. Leela, get in! And then, as you may have come to expect, it'll be time to give you a free 15-minute drama tease. This week, it's the fourth Doctor Adventures, The Dreams of Avarice by Guy Adams. the front desk! It's... Church architecture. Uh, let's talk about Jekyll and Hyde. Oh, yes. Wonderful You're... Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. Very excited I was to, um, to be asked to do this, because I always had a sort of fascination with this story. I always thought it was uh, just, in my opinion, it's that real core gothic horror. Um... And it was just wonderful to be able to do this. And you've written a great script on this one, Nick. It's got such, it's got such a flavour of the the era, and also it's it's kind of this. It's not a who done it, but it kind of it's people trying to get to the bottom of something. And it's just it leaves you you're you're very much part of this journey. It's very enjoyable. Oh, thank you. I'm looking forward to uh, hearing your sound design. I'm doing the music, but um, uh, should we just uh, tease people with a, a short extract from oh, the sound yes. design you've been working on? Here it goes. Drink your tea, love. (laughs) Take it easy. Take it easy. Now, who is he? I've seen him once before. When he visited my master. I didn't like him then, neither. Not one bit. What was his name? Mr. Hyde. Mr. Hyde. And why didn't you like him, Maisie? He... He was... He was... I don't don't know. I don't know. You don't know? It's like the old rhyme. Dr. Fell. Dr. Fell? What do you mean? I do not like thee, Dr. Fell. The reason why I cannot tell. But this I know and know full well. I do not like thee, Dr. Fell. Now tell me what you mean by that, Maisie. <laughs> what I mean is that he makes your blood run cold just to look at him. I don't know what it is, but he's, he's just just plain wrong. He's evil. That's it. Evil. Oh, he's commonplace enough to look at a bit on the short side, but when you do look at him, you wish you ain't never done it. You wish you could forget. But I can never forget. I never forget that face. Never forget what he done. No. Ah! All right, love. Ah! 
You're all right, Maisie. Constable! Sir? I wonder what that was like. I'll have to listen when I edit it in. <laughs> it was terrible. No, it's... Uh, um, yeah, the thing about Jekyll and Hyde, of course, is that the first thing that everyone knows about Jekyll and Hyde is that it's about a man who transforms into a sort of baser version of himself. Mm. That's the last thing that everyone knew about it when they first read it. So <laughs> the whole book is about what's going on, what you know, and it and it's very much just a man, uh, Gabriel Utterson, trying to work out what's happening. And of course, for a modern audience, you're just sort of thinking, well, we know. Um, so what I wanted to do is make the process of him finding out more interesting. So that's why it's got an element of a sort of procedural. A Victorian um, police mystery in it. So there is a there's a character in the book called Inspector Newcomen, but in the book he has the equivalent of one scene. But I've elevated him to become the person who who Gabriel Utterson talks to. And they come so? from they come from different areas as well, and kind of different backgrounds and different attitudes to to what is going on. And so it is this really interesting way of different people having different pieces of the puzzle. Yeah, but they're very you know they don't slot together in quite the way you'd want to because they're incredibly different types of people but it's just a, that well, collaborative I've mystery the, isn't I've, it I've, yeah i've tried to make the journey interesting you see because in the book a, a lot of what gabriel utterson in the play says to uh inspector newcomer is stuff that he says as narration in the book when he's trying to work it out himself so it's you know rather than having it narrated there's there's a conversation that's going on and I've sort of slightly reordered events, but I think I would say, <laughs> immodestly, it's it's a very, very, fa it's very faithful to the original, but you know, it just has to be dramatised. Most people, I think, dramatise like the final chapter only, whereas uh, I've dramatised the entire novella. So, well, because you think, because that's the thing you think of it, like in you know, when you in popular media, you think of it as the guy that that drinks the drink becomes the, this creature and commits heinous acts and it's very very you know but with this it's kind of it's a lot more it's, i mean it's not subtle at all because you know uh it's, it's horrifying it is there's some horrific you know i think the opening scene to this is one of the most brutal things we've ever done at, at big finish and i mean i won't spoil it but i would say it was pretty uncomfortable to to work on because it's just incredibly yeah. I mean well, it's it to establish the evilness of Hyde really which is all of that is in the book about what happens um, and the, the incident with the child as well uh, you know which is reported more than actually uh, shown as it were but it, it you know I've got. I've tried to create this thing where he is like a, a almost like a spectre over all the events. When people think about him, there's this sort of you know the the hairs on the back of the neck go up, and there's kind of you hear him breathing, you know, and all that. He's there, yeah, because he's you know as they say, living rent free in people's minds. He's there. It's the the psychology of just his. Who is it? Why is it? And what is he doing? And he's still out there. Yeah. He's hanging over everybody, isn't it? And it's interesting, uh, John Heffernan, uh, you know, because when I did the stage show, this is an adaptation of my stage play script. And one of the other reasons, by the way, that it has that procedural aspect to it is because the thriller season that Nottingham Theatre Royal that I wrote it for initially always was, it was always thrillers. They were always inspectors. So I was asked to include an element like that in it okay. so so that it's kind of born born of that and in that production and and also the national tour i did of it um i was very keen that two different people should play jekyll and hyde because uh hyde which this is never done in adaptations is much much shorter than jekyll because it was the idea that because he's lost his goodness he's somehow diminished now it's a very old-fashioned and slightly offensive idea but it's an interesting idea in the context of it and um, so, yeah, I wanted... So the actor who played uh, Hyde was much shorter. And so when, when they find him and he's wearing the wrong clothes, so his clothes are all baggy and all this kind of thing, it adds to the weirdness of the mystery. But, of course, on audio, you don't have to worry about that. So I thought, oh, well, I will return it to the good old-fashioned challenge of someone playing both. And, of course, we've got the wonderful John Heffernan playing Jekyll and Hyde. I thought of all the actors I knew, really classy, great actors, and I suddenly thought, yeah... Because I he know John can be monstrous, but he's terribly nice, isn't he, John? He's one of the well, nicest people you could ever meet. 
you know, he's, and he's he's so dynamic. He's so dynamic. You know, I I first encountered his big finish work when he he was the nine. That's in, right. Which you know, it, coming out this month, the dreams of sorry, this week, the dreams of avarice. So a nice link. And he had this wonderful ability with that because it's it's not an easy job, mm-hmm. you know, with the the eleven and the nine, um, both characters with multiple personalities, but are all played by the same actor. Obviously, in the in the canon. They they were once upon a time different incarnations like we have as the doctors, but they're all being channeled through this one person. And and John Heffernan has this great ability to be able to do that and and make the distinction between the voices. And so you you've got the the scary characters, the polite, the slightly babyish characters. And so he's a great choice for for this because you've got two very distinct personalities. Dr. Jekyll, who is a polite, intelligent, nice man, and, and, and you get the impression that everybody that knew him respected him and liked him. And then Mr. Hyde, who is repulsive, really, just utterly, and the, the vocal performance is just, it's wonderful and incredibly unnerving mm-hmm. and uncomfortable listening. Well, I kept um, having to push him as well with it. He did say in an interview that the the next day when he did an interview for us that he said he's still he's st- still got the influence in his voice. He said Hyde is still here. <laughs> <laughs> but but you, ha- you know, I think with the certainly what I would say with this with the brutality of some of the scenes, and it's not it's not brutal all the way through at all. But it's it has certain scenes with heightened brutality and heightened the stakes are, are high. Um, you really do get a sense it has that sort of quality of like a hammer film of you know it's all hitting the fan it's all it's all <laughs> happening you know I, I sent you a clip uh, of you know a, a, just a moment in there where they're hammering an axe through a door and oh, yes it's, it's the performance everybody it's it's it, the performance of everybody in that scene and it feels very you kind of this needs this is happening you know, it's, there's nothing blasé about it, and I think I know that when you spoke to me, you said, you know, take your time with it. Uh, we want it to be that kind of gothic horror. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, one of my favourite things just to say with this is I love this anyway, but the great opportunity when you have a scene with thunder in it yes. is is it's all about the placement of the thunder. It's all about where those. It's very easy just to have a thunderstorm going on above the head, but if you can place those bits of thunder in very as you you've and you put this in your script nick and it's yeah. if you can place them in specific places between dialogue yes the thunder acts as a wonderful way of just hammering in it can be power it can be unnerving it can it, it can really you know there's a great bit where the scene ends and i put in a bit of thunder in a certain place and uh-huh. it just wonderfully cements that last line and it gives you that awful yeah, it's it's just fun. It's it's that's well, it makes I you love the that, craft. That whole downpour of rain and thunderstorm. It happens at a particular point in the story, and it's you know, it's sympathetic background. You know, because there's been a huge um, revelation, and yeah, yeah. So I just thought, oh, and he's stuck outside, and suddenly it's just impossible for him to go anywhere because it's raining so much. And then a cab pulls up, clippity clop, clippity clop, and he he kind of has to take the lift and then has a difficult conversation as a result of it. Anyway, I love the idea that characters are forced to speak about things. I think too many scripts are full of people saying things because the author wants them to say them, which of course is in the nature of writing. You need to communicate your story, but I think you have to find, you have to trap the characters into saying these things. Otherwise it's just, you know what I mean? They're just saying it for convenience sake. I think when you've got a setting like you know Victorian London, for example, um, it's a, society was relatively repressed in the way in which they conveyed emotions and I conveyed say certain so, yes. things. Everybody's very, I don't want to talk about that, and it's all no, it's not appropriate. So when they're forced into having to say these things, or when they feel when they feel they're in the environment where they can be candid about their thoughts, suddenly it feels more rewarding to a listener, I think, yeah. to, to be able to to do that. Well, there's that whole conversation between Gabriel Addison and uh, um, Dr. Jekyll, um, you, you know, where where it's all about Jekyll not wanting to talk about something and Addison trying to push him further and further on it. And he's being terribly polite and trying to be nice about it. And, yeah, it's uh, th- that's where the dramatic tension comes from. And that scene comes direct from the book, actually. There's almost... That's almost direct 
transcription wow. from what happens in as the scene is reported in the book. It's a great, it's a great tale, and it was you know it was really nice to to kind of delve into it properly and, and get a chance. Well, it, to just... It's a tale that everyone thinks they already know. Because we, we always talk, we talk about it in life, yeah. don't we? Oh, he changed. It's a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde situation. Everyone knows what it means. But I wanted to tell people what the story... It's not the story they think it is. It's it's yeah, it's yeah, a very it's, specific it's, thing. It's, it, exa- I suppose it's like all these things, isn't it? It's, it's like Sherlock Holmes is a great example of this. You can watch certain adaptations of it on the telly. And you've got to cram everything into, you know, 45 minutes, for example. And so you know the story, you know the plot, but you don't know the intricate nature of it and the details and the circumstances. You know, it's like when, when books are condensed into into movies and mm. you lose certain qualities. And of course, when you're doing it in, in a medium like audio drama, you're never going to be able to just do the book. I mean, you could, but it's, it's very hard to do things well, like that. The good thing is that the book is really rather short. It's a novella. It's one page. Yes, it's just uh, <laughs> it's a paragraph. Blur. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. So you uh, so you've got the opposite. So you can, you've got you can actually get it all in. Yeah. You've got the room to be able to make that accessible for people. So I'm excited. I feel very. I feel very. Uh, it's nice to do something like this, especially uh, having recently worked on Sherlock Holmes. I'm very much in that mindset of that that time and that world, and so it's great to kind of continue down that road a little uh, for a little while. Nice. Thank you. Nice. Well, it's time now to continue down a road of our own with the Good Review Guide, finding the latest positive comments about Big Finish Productions to help recommend them for you. And as promised, this week we're looking at Torchwood Empire of Shadows. Are you ready to die, Zachary Crossvane? Yes. You are lying. From Big Finish Productions. Torchwood. Empire of Shadows. Salitris, where my late mother, the lamented Empress, died in exile. Yeah. Why does the Emperor want Torchwood here? The thing is. I'm afraid for my life. Every secret, every dark thought, every shady deal. Torchwood contains it all. The Torchwood Archive. We need to get into it. What do we do? We run! Welcome to Torchwood, Your Majesty. Big finish. We love stories. Just go to bigfinish.com and type Empire of Shadows into the search pane to enjoy this top-flight slice of Torchwood futurism. Well, first up, we've got, of course, it's Tony Flyer's Flying Circus. Uh, it's, Tony, it's Tony Filer, son of Bill Filer. Uh, um, every time I say it, my voice just, just gets Same old jokes. Um, same old joke. Never change. Uh, it's warpfact.com. It says here, as a standalone Empire of Shadows is a lot of backstory lifted by a cogent storyline. What a word. We'll reveal more about that shortly. A clever sub-story and at least two blindingly appealing central performances. Mm-hmm. As the start of an Imperial Tortured spin-off, come on, Big Finish, you know it makes sense, uh, it could be the start of something extra special. I particularly liked the use of the word cogent. So, it's, it's, cogent sounds like it should be like a brand or like a painkiller or something, doesn't it? Cogent. Just use cogent. <laughs> Convincing, compelling, strong, forceful, powerful, potent, weighty, valid, sound, well-founded, plausible, effective, efficacious, telling. It took me a while to read efficacious. Did you know efficacious, what's yeah. that say? Uh, impressive, persuasive, irresistible, eloquent, credible. Well, isn't it? What a great word. All those are great words. And cogent. Love it. It's methodical, articulate. I love those two words, you see. Yeah. I feel like... The, you know what? Like, some words really describe what they are, like, methodical. Like, I'm being very methodical. You know, yeah, lucid is a great word like that. Ah, oh, language. Lucid. Good. 
Well, uh, on to the bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk with Matt Steele. He says Empire of Shadows is a real standout Torchwood release for me, bringing with it a change of pace and a tease of what could easily be a spin-off from the original main range in my eyes. It's interesting, isn't it? He's saying the same thing. Uh, with nice twists and turns and a satisfying ending, along with a terrific cast and a nice score from Blair Moat, Empire of Shadows gets a thumbs up from me. Wow. There Can't we say are. fairer than that, can you? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Kenya, apparently, I just... <laughs> Kenya. Yes, yeah, Kenya. interesting uh, African country. Uh, WhoReview.com, Daniel Mansfield says, with Scott Hancock's direction and really strong performances from the entire cast, this is one of the best Torchwood releases this year and a perfect reintroduction to Captain Zachary Cross Flame, who I hope we can hear more from in the future. Oh, a truly exemplary arca, a truly exemplary <laughs> release. And that is one, two, three, four, five stars loving it uh indiemacuser.co.uk michael golanevsky says right now torchwood is at its strongest when it's not focusing on primary characters from the main show and empire of shadows is absolutely no exception it's not one of the ranger's strongest in terms of excitement or development oh never mind uh but in bringing an intriguing side character back to the forefront and giving him a very different sort of adventure to work with it's an interesting little diversion that succeeds where it counts and is a great way to kill an hour or two of your day eight out of ten i think it's only an hour but anyway thank you listen Michael. to it twice <laughs> listen to it three be. times an hour or three <laughs> yes. um over to the twittlings now uh, <laughs> twitterings it says here but i said twitterlings yes no, why not nest uh not enst which is at n-o-t-t-e-n-s-t not enst who knows hmm. um Listened to Torchwood Empire of Shadows by Goss Jam from Big Finish. Another great story in the monthly range. Sean Parks was wonderful. Yeah. I hope we hear him again in another Torchwood story. God, so do I. Yeah. At Super Neku says, Just listened to Torchwood Empire of Shadows. Another good one! Exclamation mark. It was also nice hearing Sean Parks return as Sacre. Need to rewatch Impossible Planet, The Satan Pit sometime. Absolutely great story. Well, last one here from Matthew Verdon 3. There's all three Matthews, you see. Arsenal nil. Arsenal nil. Thank you very much uh, from the news desk there. Uh, if you like Sports unique desk, references and uh, that desk too, if you like unique references and a glimpse of future Torchwood, Empire of Shadows is fascinating. Listen to it now. Sean Parks is great. Uh, Couldn't agree more. I think that it was such a coup when James Goss managed to get Sean Parks on board. Amazing. Uh, that's it for the reviews this week. Next time we'll be talking about Stingray, Operation Iceberg, and Doctor Who. Philip Hinchcliffe presents the God of Phantoms. Still to come in the podcast, listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com, and we'll be looking at more Torchwood in the form of this week's distinctly sinister release. Dead Plates, featuring the ever-terrifying Billis Manger and directed by the lovely Lisa Bauman. Terrifying. Uh, but first, let us delve behind the scenes with the fourth Doctor Adventures, The Nine, The Dreams of Avarice, by Guy Adams. I'm Ken Bentley, and I directed Doctor Who, The Dreams of Avarice. So it would make a heavy object, regardless of size, light enough to carry. I see. Much call for that, is there? Well, it would be a boon to hod carriers everywhere. Size would still be an issue, naturally, but you could ferry great loads of steel or brick with no more difficulty than if you were carrying feathers. Right. And why did you want it? I didn't. Someone else did. It was all David Richardson's fault, really, because he came up with an idea for a, a Time Lord villain who has regenerated several times, and each time he's regenerated, each previous Time Lord remains a personality in his head. So basically a multi-personality character. And at the time David came up with the idea, it was the Eleven, and it was the villain for Doom Coalition, um, which is a series we make for the Eighth Doctor. As we were exploring the Eleven in Doom Coalition, we found ourselves featuring a couple of his other incarnations, um, one of which was the Nine, and John was brilliant. Everybody who's played any incarnation of that character has been fantastic, and it's a character that we knew we would want to explore more because there's so much potential. So it was great that David found an opportunity to put him into a series with the Fourth Doctor. Tom Baker playing Doctor Who. Now, 
I've finally fixed that annoying light circuit. So if you want to pop back and carry on our lovely chat, I've nothing else pressing. Oh, and as a special treat, I'll put the handcuffs back on. I know you'll fret otherwise. Yes, here we are. Dream of Avarice. What an irresistible title. And it's exactly what it's about. The dreams of avarice. And what people or creatures in any civilization that we can dream of in Doctor Who will do. Anything for goodies, for power, for fun. It's all wonderful. And we've got a great cast here. And fortunately, I was on hand to frustrate them. <laughs> Big finish sent for me. They said, who's going to stop this lot? They said, what about Tom Baker? And here I am frustrating them again. Hello, my name is John Heffernan and I play The Nine. Here we go. His names is having one of his turns. Sure. They're all just jealous because I have the best things, including this body. They had their chance. Now it's time for lucky number nine. I first played the nine in a drama called Doom Coalition 3. He's a time lord with nine personalities, essentially, and so he's got a hell of a lot going on in his head. And in this story, his relationship with the doctor's fascinating because, I mean, obviously there's a lot, there's a lot of antagonism there, but there's a, I feel as though somewhere there is an underlying morality, like he recognises the right thing to do. He's not completely psychopathic, but he just has, well, he's got that one side of his personality. But he um, he just can't, he can't resist having things. <laughs> he's incredibly possessive and he gets distracted. And there's something about that which I find quite endearing, but I guess he takes it to an extreme and start stealing whole, whole planets and things like that but yes it's a joy to do and it's a uh, i think it's a very witty script so it's been great working on it being rich means you don't have to worry about your iq in fact being rich means you don't have to worry about anything pretty much except people like you <laughs> yes yes you've got a point there come on daddy wants to start writing his shopping list oh god well, John, we've worked with a couple of times before, and he's all, uh, uh, quite a few times now, probably, haven't we? And he's always brilliant. He's lovely. And and so, therefore, somebody you want to work with as many times as you can. Um, but he's also incredibly talented and brilliant and um, has done so many amazing things. And the great thing about John, whenever you see him in anything, he's always, you can see his versatility whenever you see him in anything. Because he's never, he never seems to be typecast. He's always doing magnificent roles with great variety and of course with a character with a multi-personality character like that you need somebody who, who has good range who can do lots of different things so much so and so competently that they can you can cram all of that into one scene and so he was a very good decision by david hi i'm jane robertson and i'm the music composer and sound designer of the dreams of avarice you don't understand the ways of a true collector. It's not about looking at it, it's about knowing you have it. Seems a waste to me. That's because you're not clever enough to understand. Mm. Or perhaps she's simply not as insane as you? If you have nothing worthwhile to say, Aid, kindly keep your mouth shut. I like the nine, actually, the character in general, that time log, because I think it's something that warrants something worthy of, like a TV character, if that makes any sense. The backstory of the nine is is really good, but obviously here we have him mischievous. You know he's cheeky and he's he's you know he wants everything, and I think that was brilliant in the story. Uh, and of course, sound design wise, uh, he's going around trying to nick things and <laughs> take it all for himself. I think it's a very childlike quality, and I've got I've got a, a little two-year-old, and she reminds me of the nine a bit sometimes. <laughs> not 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 in those, um, his perhaps the nine's more frightening aspects, but there is something very innocent about it, and he just there's no um, there's no holding back, there's no filter. He just comes out comes out with it, and so in that respect, I suppose he's very he's very honest, but he just does need someone to keep him in check, otherwise things can go a little bit far, as indeed they do in this. Just go to bigfinish.com and type Avarice, A-V-A-R-I-C-E, into the search pane okay. to find this one. Oh, nice. Time now for <laughs> listeners' emails. 
in if you want to send your emails in it's so simple just send them oh do you hear my chair there yeah what happened i thought you were patting it's your got those thigh. little they've got those little you know those uh, oh. arms that click yeah yeah and i, I, I can assure you that my that click. <laughs> no, no i can assure you that my bones are are all very good um just well uh, send your emails to podcast at bigfinish.com and we will try to read them out. We don't always get round to it. We get a lot of emails in. Yeah, yeah. We certainly try. There might be a delay, but we get there in the end. Uh, we've got one here from Bill Wilson. Um, subject to this one is Dark Shadows. Uh, Hi, guys. Love the podcast. Listening every week. Big fan of the Fourth Doctor Adventure series and the Dark Shadows dramas. Speaking of which, Windcliff is late and I haven't heard any news of the line in quite a long time. Please reassure me that the Dark Shadows line hasn't been discontinued. Hello, Bill. It hasn't been discontinued, but you're right. It is late and we're trying to uh, get some some news about that from those who create it. Joe Lidster, I think, is uh, producing it and... Um, yeah, quite. I think the pandemic and all sorts of factors have got in the way there, but we we will hopefully bring it to you at some point. Very unsatisfying answer, I know. Um, this one's from Jack Harding. He says, hello, recently I re-listened to the magnificent Sarah Jane adventures. They really are excellent. And it is a tragedy that Elizabeth Sladen is no longer with us. Agreed, agreed. Would 100%. there ever be a time where the cliffhanger might be solved? Sadie Miller played Natalie Redfern in The Adventures. Is it possible we might uh, have an investigation into Sarah's uh, uh, whereabouts at the end of Dreamland? Sorry, I'm failing to read this out very well. Or even Sadie playing the role of Sarah as she has done so brilliantly to uh, finish the story. I realise it's a stretch. I just wondered what the possibility might be. Thank you for all your uh, great work. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's not something we're planning to do. Um, but, uh, you know, if a, a head of steam rises behind this and lots of people start asking, it's something we could maybe look into. Uh, it'd be nice to resolve a click, cliffhanger, wouldn't it? I almost failed to say a, cl a click hammer. A, cl a click hammer? <laughs> What's a click hammer? <laughs> a I click don't know. hammer does this noise. <laughs> Just before it bashes you on the head. Thank you. Oh. Well, we've got the last one here from Ingrid Warren. Mm -hmm. uh, the subject of this one is podcast 5621. Reoccurring. Um recurring rather um dear nick and benji first off i'd like to send besh wishes to benji and hope he recovers soon oh thank you yeah i'm doing all right i'm, I'm cracking on there funnily enough last um the last podcast we did um we recorded it in the morning and i came downstairs had my lunch sat down to have a cup of tea and just fell asleep for like two hours and I think so, you know, just COVID does take it out of you. But thankfully, um, I'm, I'm doing really well. Yeah, really good. Good. Uh, yes. Occasionally, my breathing's a bit uh, a bit rubbish, but um, just get, you know, just get used to it and it gets better every day. Um, I enjoyed the whole podcast, but Benji's story about speeding up the sound whilst doing five star five reminded me of when I was only a few weeks into using the Big Finish app and accidentally set the speed to 1.5. It took me a while to work out what I pressed and how to sort it out. But in the meantime, the Daleks sounded more excitable than usual. <laughs> Probably sounded like the imagine. ones at the beginning of the TV movie. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yes. But I famously yeah. told the director. The, the director did it. Well, I can't remember his name now. But anyway, he did it. And I was introduced to him in a green room at the uh, BFI. They said, oh, this is Nick Briggs. He's the, the voice of the Daleks. And he said, uh, I did some Dalek voices at the beginning of the film. And I said, yeah, they were crap, though, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> and everyone sort of froze for a moment. You know. Anyway, I that's love true. telling that story. It's true. Jeffrey Sachs, that's his name, isn't it? Uh, is that maybe. right? Uh, just came to TV, me. Have I just TV, made that name up? Movie. He's, he's a very good director. I mean, that movie is brilliantly directed. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yes it is it's Jeffrey Sachs yeah that was a bit of music from the film if anyone didn't get that I particularly like that bit of the old the, it's, it's in there it is, it is. Listen to it, they use that cue twice in the film you know that don't you oh they do yeah, of course they do oh, yeah. it's, it's part of it it's a good score actually, it is an excellent that score that, it's a very very good score and that guy is also doing the, what's his name is it John Debney John Debney yeah. yeah he also does music for the Orville 
Does he really? He does some of the incidental music for the. I Oliver. can imagine. I can imagine that actually is him. Yeah, you're totally. Perfect. It's not. It's not the theme tune. I think the theme tune is by someone else. Have you seen the Orville, folks? It's basically Star Trek with a little bit of comedy. It's, yeah. It's interesting that Seth MacFarlane gets a creator's credit on that because basically it's. It's just, it is Star, just Star Trek. Trek and it? I saw a video the other day of Seth MacFarlane doing an impersonation of William Shatner, which was excellent. And William Shatner was judging the impersonations. He said, that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't sound like me. Why is he talking like that? You know. <laughs> anyway, carry uh, on. So we've got, uh, it continues here and says, um, as a transplant patient with low to zero antibody levels, I've been out less than ever since restrictions lifted. And it's surprising how glad I was when you talked about the pandemic not being over. Indeed. These days, I often feel forgotten by large parts of the population. So hearing this, especially just after being unable to attend my local Pride weekend, oh. was actually incredibly helpful. Um, the other helpful thing, of course, is that there's so many big finished dramas to keep me entertained. Thank you for the regular sales. Uh, money that would be spent in shops if I, were if I were able to go anywhere is now being spent with you instead. All the best. Ingrid Warren. Oh, well, thanks absolute so much. Pleasure, yeah. pleasure to provide you with that entertainment. And yeah, you know, I saw in the the news today that I think you know COVID rising in the UK by over forty percent in a week, um, which is just you know, which which doesn't surprise me because I've seen so many people getting COVID again. Um, wear, your, wear your masks, people. Come on. It's, well, it's and not, I, you know, especially in confined spaces, do it, I, yeah. I do, I do find it. You know, uh, it, it's really important to uh, get the the vaccines you know be up to date with the vaccines i know i've heard some people say well i had one vaccination and it uh, i felt really ill so i'm not having another one you think no no no, that's the reason why you must have as many because when the when you get that reaction to a vaccine it means that you're you needed it because it means your immune system is triggered by it because it it needs to create the antibodies so having a bad reaction to a vaccine you know, feeling ill is is not a bad thing. It doesn't mean you shouldn't have another one. It absolutely means that you needed it in the first place. Well, but, you know, uh, and I'm I'm, in, I'm triple vaxxed and I'm thirty, so I'm not I'm not really you know I'm young enough that my immune system is pretty pretty rocking. Yeah. Um, but you know, it made me feel dreadful. I felt really dreadful, and I'm still feeling the effects of it now. And it's been you when know, you two got week. COVID itself. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. When I had, the, I mean, when I had the the vaccines itself, I felt pretty you know it made me feel rubbish for like a day mm. and then i felt fine and i was able to work you know that's the difference i was able to sit down and work i didn't feel like i couldn't but when i had covid and it hit me it was just you know i i would just all i could do is just sit on the sofa and sleep and watch things and not really understand what it was because i couldn't that's, concentrate yeah, I completely, you know and, and, yeah. and I'm, I'm i'm you know i would still i would say i'm young and, and so you know i just i just think just don't the sooner we all, you know, get get cracking with this, the sooner life can kind of. Well, move and Ingrid's forward, right. You know, it's not over, and for people who've got, you know, a compromised immune system for whatever reason, it's very much a, a big problem. And I think it's important to uh, remember that. So, Ingrid, thanks for writing in, and I'm sorry it took us a couple of weeks to get to your email. We had a bit of a backlog there. Um, have, yeah. And one one reason for it, Benji, is because you had COVID, and so ah, we we, we skipped the emails for a week. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so I'm yeah, simultaneously being sympathetic and blaming you and um, criticising. <laughs> listen, that's it for the emails this week. More next time. Send to podcast. Bod uh, you, you can also send it to podcast at bigfinish.com. Uh, and and uh, this time for UK <laughs> listeners, we're particularly interested in how you'll be listening to your Big Finish releases over the summer holidays, floating in the pool, sailing a boat, skiing down a mountain. <laughs> And uh, and for all our listeners, actually, let us know your holiday experiences of listening to Big Finish. Holiday time and Big Finish, how do those two things go together? Maybe something in an audio terrified you when you woke up in your hotel, caravan, tent or underground bunker, <laughs> screaming so loud that you woke up everyone for miles around. Let us know your Big Finish listener stories. Well, as I've said before, Nick, uh, when I think of Dalek Empire, I only think of sunbeds and the hot sun <laughs> well, of Crete. So that's that's where I listen to it. So there we go. Um, do yeah, do please tell us. Uh, as always, the Randomoid Selectron is prepping right Ooh, now, on, getting ready on. to offer a twenty-five yes. percent discount on a randomly selected 
Big Finish release. Marvellous. But before that, it's time for Also Available. And this week, we go straight over to the wonderful Lisa Marman, who directed this week's Torchwood, Dead Plates. I believe it's what they call a locked room mystery. My name is Lisa Bowman and I directed today's production of Torchwood. The joy of it is that it's a whodunit set in 1970s Soho with at the centre the fantastically, marvellously named Billis Manger, who I personally hadn't come across before in my, in my Torchwood dealings, but I am more than delighted I have come across now. Yes, it would seem that someone poisoned my champagne. And it's not the first time I've been murdered this week. I have wanted to work with Murray Melvin for as long as forever. I've been a huge fan of his from, you know, seeing his early films. When you watch him, even in all his early films, you cannot keep your eyes off him. He is one of those actors who's just got got it. He's got it, if there's such a thing. And um, obviously I saw that he'd, he'd uh, done Torchwood and, and uh, he's done a few of these before for Scott and everybody. And um, actually I was rather hoping we might get, you know, rope him into a Benny or something at some point because I kept on saying, I, I'd really like to work with Murray Melvin. And uh, eventually James came up with, I've got an episode for you to direct. And I thought, oh dear, yes, of course. So I grabbed it with both hands and I'm very delighted that I have. Not not only is he a, le- a legend, but my goodness me, in terms of his seniority, you know, you can consider, it sounds very rude to talk about people's age, but you consider his, his, his age and he's just on it. He just knows, and he's got that brilliant natural talent and it was a joy today. My name is Murray Melvin and I'm playing somebody called Billis Manger. Hello, me again. Oh! Ah! <laughs> um, well... <laughs> Difficult to explain, really. If we carry on like this, it'll take all night. And getting people to kill him. Because the Vondrax, the dreaded Vondrax, are after him. And he doesn't find it so easy to get people to kill him. He gets rather annoyed. That cushion there, it's large enough to smother someone. Wouldn't you agree? Billis is a baddie, but it's, 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 he's got a sense of humour. As the knife goes in, there's a laugh. Understand this, madam. I came here not as your judge, but as a fan of your work. I don't know where I got this for being a killer. Um, but I played so many parts being a killer. Um, I think nobody can believe it, so it makes it even worse, you see. But, but, but uh, Torch would have done me proud. Big Finish have done me proud. They, they, they look after me beautifully. They keep writing me these wonderful things. Ordinarily, this is where I would end your life. But you find me in dire circumstances. My game is killing. I was very lucky with the script because the characters are so well drawn. And the good thing about when you're casting uh, a script like this is that you have in your head exactly who you want. And what the joy of it is, is if you end up with your first choice cast along the way and everybody was available, it just, it, and it makes me smile in a very big way. And you hope that, you know, all your, all your expectations of the day come out in terms of how people will get on and, and whether they'll get the script. And I think it's safe to say that that pretty much was borne out today, um, regardless of whether we finished early, which we did. I think that is also an indication of a strong script and an extremely strong cast. Hello, I'm Tony Turner and I'm playing Gerald Spencer. Tony Turner, I'd, I'd used before, he played uh, the gruesome Gerald. And um, he's an incredibly versatile actor and very experienced in audio and uh, he's always a, a, a joy to work with. I think Gerald is your old school sleazy hack journalist, old, old Fleet Street, um, proper boozer, um, loves a bit of sleaze. He's probably an amalgamation of a lot of people, I'd have thought. A typewriter! Poetic irony, I love it. We have, of course, Hugh Ross. Do you know who I am? I think I'm right in saying I was the first person to bring him into uh, Big Finish with a uh, Fraser Hines Companion Chronicle all these years ago. I'm Hugh Ross and I am playing Oliver Barleycorn, a louche, drunken homosexual. Everyone knows who you are, Ollie. You're the man who paints naked men with enormous attributes. What I like best about doing audio jobs is that you get a script and you 
allow your imagination to take you wherever the script takes you. We have a new uh, girl, actually, um, Rosa Skoda. I, I was ploughing through Spotlight and going through voice reels, um, trying to get the right voice tonally and her her show her voice reel rather was was really very good and again it bore, bore out in a very very good performance hello my name is rosa skoda and i'm playing felicity templeton felicity templeton is a revelation said the times it's a very exciting day it is my first audio drama so i i guess i had like first day of school butterflies i didn't really know what to expect and i know that um torchwood is very loved um, by lots of people, so I wanted to, you know, make sure that I didn't ruin it, <laughs> live up to, <laughs> live up to the expectations. Um, and it's been pretty glorious to be in a room with people who are so experienced and so great at what they do. And it's a really, really fun story. So, yeah, I've loved it. I'm only covering while Sue is on the mend. Not quite a step up, though, from a stint on Crossroads to St Joan at the Garrick. I thankfully have not experienced uh, a murderously ambitious understudy. However, I have heard horror stories and, uh, you know, no loss of life is involved, but they can be pretty intense uh, moments, you know, especially if it's like a long running show or like on tour perhaps, um, but not personally, which is Great. And hopefully won't be a thing that ever happens. That would be awful for anyone, not just for me. I just want to thank you all for how supportive you've been these last few months. I haven't been in London very long and my mother warned me it could be an unfriendly place. I think I would like to act opposite her because she obviously really enjoys her craft and cares about what she's doing. I wonder whether she's also maybe just nicer because she's younger and i don't mean that in a bad way i just mean she's not as experienced maybe she would become jaded and more willing to you know do devious things the older she gets but i don't know but yeah she's lovely i quite like her it's fun there are stories still to tell aren't there miss templeton just go to bigfinish.com and type dead plates I think you know how to spell that, don't you? Into the search pane at the top to have a pleasingly disturbing experience. <laughs> the old owl's out again. Yes, he's back again. Can you hear the seagulls here? I can. It's going absolutely really crazy. It's having really, a great day. Yeah, it's really, really sunny here. And I live by the coast and it's just absolutely... They're all going completely bonkers. There's one that sits up on our uh, at the top of our house. And he goes, and so I stand there and do it back to him. They get so cross that he just ends up circling the building. Then I get scared and run indoors. I get scared. I don't want to be pooped on by some annoyed. Nicholas Briggs was pecked to death by a seagull today. It thought he was a large chip. Um, dear, oh dear. Yeah, the seagulls are pretty brutal down on the south coast. If you're wandering around they with are. some chips, they will, they will have you. Well, I, nearly have you. Ha- I went down to have a walk the other day uh, along the beach, which I did do, and I thought I might nip over to one of those, um, you know, little huts that sell chips. And then I saw the trouble people were having. There were two people sitting near me, and they were just sitting on the, on the pebbles on the beach. And... And it was like a sort of swarm of velociraptors approaching. They were all they were walking on the beach, these these seagulls. There's a crescent of them behind these people, getting closer and closer and kind of come on, give me a chip. Give I'm me a chip. You. But I'm it's not you. helped by the fact that some people do just throw all their chips down. Oh, don't don't even go. And then there. they it's look like, really surprised when hundreds of seagulls descend. You think, yeah, you're the problem. It's like people that feed the foxes. It's like, what are you doing? Stop fe- they can get food themselves. Yes, exactly. Stop feeding the foxes. Stop feeding the seagulls. Just was it? Do the- not feed the flying pests. <laughs> yeah, we need that on a, on a loudspeaker. <laughs> In a dial everywhere. Voice. Perfect. Yeah, that, that's the Daleks can do some good for society for once instead of trying to blow it up. Um, but don't forget, it will soon be time to tease you with the first fifteen minutes of the Dreams of Avarice. Oh yeah, starring Tom Baker. As the seagull. No, as the doctor. <laughs> Hello, give me a chip. Could you say, but first it's... I forgot to write it in. But first it's... The Randomoid Selectatron offering you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. What is it? it- 
Here right, we are. Gallifrey Enemy Lines. Oh, this is good, yeah. It's a cracking release. It's uh, Lala Ward, Louise Jameson, Sophie Aldred, uh, Miles Richardson, Sean Carlson, uh, and Celia Imri. Um, I mean, what a... I think it's directed by Scott, isn't it? It must be. Come I seem on. to remember now. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yes, yeah. it is. Yeah, it had a new theme tune and stuff. Great yeah. artwork on this one as well by Stuart Manning. Really like this. Yeah. Love the, the skeleton there. Oh, that's good. Oh, it's Yoan Morris did the music. See, oh, oh Reese Downing as well. Uh, excellent work. Excellent work. Uh, here, here's the trailer. Leela, get in. No. But how are you here? Never mind that. I'll explain everything once we're back. Back? Back where? Gallifrey. <laughs> Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Gallifrey, Enemy Lines. The universe is shaped by the decisions that we make, each and every one of us. What then might happen if an entire reality is denied? The Celestial Intervention Agency has investigated the causes of the current conflict. Conflict? What conflict? And concluded that these events began with Agent Ace's participation in the Omega Plot. The ripples spread out from that single choice, becoming waves that soon will crash upon the distant shore. Our laws allow an acting president to make any decision that is vital for the well-being of Gallifrey. Life as we know it cannot be. You think I should resign? Well, no reason to look quite so offended by the idea. And death is always around the corner. Targeting time torpedoes. Novin? I'm sorry, Ace. Fire! My work has only just begun. Big finish. We love stories. Oh, I've just, I'm actually playing the trailer. I've just downloaded <laughs> it. Sorry, I'm meant to do it live. <laughs> there we are. Um, so, uh, while I email Jackie Emery at Big Finish to make sure she knows which release to attach the offer to, Benji, could you, please could you explain how you get the 25% discount in the style of uh, a, a hungry seagull? <laughs> 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 well, uh, what do you want to do? Oh, kiss Chip. Uh, he's got a uh, big, big, big finish.com. Uh, once you're on there, you go along to the podcast section. Oh, there's a bit of a uh, bit of cord over there. Go to podcast section. Go to click, click, read more. Click, what was that? Was that? No, no, I don't want that. Uh, once you're on that one there, go right down underneath the picture of uh, myself and Nicholas Briggs, Seagull Esquire, uh, and click here. When you click there, enter the code CHIPS. No, don't enter that code in. Enter BUCKUP, B U C K U P, all capital letters, no space, no complications nothing buck up entered in you get 25 percent discount <sighs> well done and ran uh, you are a modern marvel thank you for that next week's podcast is entitled silver and ice and will feature the seventh doctor release of that title but you have to guess who the monsters are silver and ice goldfish clearly yeah that's it the the Obvious. goldfish monsters can i just Obvious. say uh we haven't mentioned stephen noonan in this podcast the uh, no, no, new no. big finish first doctor just wanted to say that well maybe maybe we should uh, has, has stephen noonan ever owned a goldfish that's a good question let's I don't find think out unre- i don't think that's ever an, an unreasonable question to ask is no, it no, no, no. quite well, in the meantime, all that's left for me to say is thanks for listening and goodbye. And, oh, uh, uh, do remember that we, we, we do this all for the love of stories. Time now for The Fourth Doctor, The Nine, The Dreams of Avarice by Guy Adams, featuring the brilliant John Heffernan as The Nine. <laughs> Thank you.
defensive protocols engaged. Lockdown initiated. Enjoy the night shift, boys and girls. above your head. One move, we open fire. Oh, this is awkward. How do I put my hands up without moving? Do you know how long I've been sitting here on my own? A few minutes, not long. Be thankful it's a quiet night. Only a few minutes, eh? Seems longer. Drab little room, huh? <laughs> no magazines. Have you ever considered providing magazines? It's an interrogation cell. We skimp on the niceties. Oh, you skimp on maintenance, too. That air conditioning unit was on the blink. Don't worry, though. I fixed it. No charge. You did what? <laughs> Happy to help. I was about to take a look at a faulty connection on your overhead light, but you turned up, so... But you're handcuffed to the table. Oh, these? Yeah. I took them off. They would have got in the way otherwise. Keep your hands where I can see them. No sudden moves. So, you don't want me to fix the lighting circuit then? Uh, no. Shame. I was looking forward to it. I can put the handcuffs back on if it makes you feel more comfortable. If you don't mind. Secure enough? They look secure enough. Yes, they do, don't they? So, how about popping that gun away? I don't like them much. Better? Much. So, what would you like to talk about? Oh, well, let's see. Why don't we start with why you were breaking into the vault of a high-security research center? Oh, that? Well, <laughs> I was trying to steal something, obviously. Obviously. Yes. I'm afraid I didn't manage it. The security's terribly good, you know. Really? Yes, yeah, state-of-the-art. Mind you, I'm not exactly professional when it comes to stealing things. Are you not? No. In matters of burglary, I'm strictly dilettante. So what do you do the rest of the time? Oh, this and that. Travelling, seeing the universe, getting locked up. Mm, you surprise me. It happens with tedious regularity. What were you trying to steal? Ah, well, that is quite interesting, actually. I, I don't suppose you're a physicist, are you? I'm a policeman. Oh, that would make perfect sense. Never mind. If you had been a physicist, you'd have been fascinated. As it is, I'll give you the layman's version. What were you trying to steal? It was a compound mass reducer. Not quite layman enough. Talk me through it. It's experimental, of course, but in essence, it's a device that temporarily alters the practical mass of any given object while still retaining its structural integrity. And, um, just a dollop more layman, if you could? So it would make a heavy object, regardless of size, light enough to carry. I see. Much call for that, is there? Well, it would be a boon to hod carriers everywhere. Size would still be an issue, naturally. But you could ferry great loads of steel or brick with no more difficulty than if you were carrying feathers. Right. And why did you want it? I didn't. Someone else did. 
drug too. You don't half talk a load of old toot. You ain't got no guts to feel sicky. I don't got no ears to ache either, but the pair of you gassy horns making me feel like I have. Alright, three, alright. Let's get on with it. Yeah. Research center, let's be having ya. Somebody else wanted to steal it. Exactly. So what, you thought you'd beat them to it? It seemed the safest thing to do. Safest? Oh yes, you see, I'm terribly nice. You wouldn't mind me having a gadget like that, but him, well, it's a shame. Yes, it really would have been much better if I'd managed to steal it instead. Lovely, lovely, lovely things. So many things. Ooh, look at that. Mm. I have no idea what it does, but it does it so well. Sandak Miner, you're generally very dull, but you do know how to develop a gadget, I'll give you that. Oh, and there she is. Compound mass reducer, you saucy little minx. Listen to him. How the mighty have fallen. I hate him. He's stupid. Shut up. Here we go. His nips is having one of his turns. Sure. They're all just jealous because I have the best things, including this body. They had their chance. Now it's time for lucky number nine. The nine. What sort of a name is that? An accurate one. There have been nine of him so far. Nine different personalities occupying a body that's changed its appearance nine times. Sounds useful for a criminal. Or a policeman. It stops mirrors becoming tedious. But in his case, it's quite an extreme condition. His personalities are wild and varied. Sometimes he's cunning, a master planner. Sometimes he has the mind of a child. And sometimes he's psychotic. Right now, as the nine, He's a kleptomaniac. He's an extremely dangerous man. So you say? I do say, Mr. Policeman, I do. Detective Inspector Probert. Pleased to meet you, Detective Inspector Probert. I'm the doctor. I know. The duty sergeant told me. Apparently you wouldn't give her your real name. But it is my real name. Well, as good as. It's served me well enough for the last few centuries. Oh, I'm wasting my time here, aren't I? We both are. I dread to think what the Nine's getting up to out there while I'm cooped up in here fixing things. The Nine? Yeah. Forgive me if I don't put out an all points on him just yet. Ah. Do I get the impression that we are going to go through the tedious business of you not believing me? You do, yes. Book him with breaking and entering, wasting police time, being annoying and having a silly name. But, sir... Have the judge knock a month off, considering he fixed the AC. Sir, there's been another break-in at the research centre. Oh, you've got to be kidding. Place is in chaos. Several experimental devices stolen, including a black light adapter, anti-gravity field, compound mass reducer, and... <laughs> A coffee vending machine. Now, I've finally fixed that annoying light circuit. So if you want to pop back and carry on our lovely chat, I've nothing else pressing. Oh, and as a special treat, I'll put the handcuffs back on. I know you'll fret otherwise. Uh, 
output, the compound mass reducer in my lab, the coffee machine in here, and the rest can go in the vault. Right, okay. Wait. Mind you do put them in the vault. No, you know, stealing them for yourselves. We're just drones, boss. Yeah, what would we find with any of your stuff? I don't know. Sit and stare at its beauty? How should I know? Just... I'll be checking. Thought you knew things, then? Mm, yes, I did. Of course, <laughs> I did. You must have seen them. They were shiny. I'm reading. Not anymore, you're hey. not. You should appreciate my things. They're such nice things. A compound mass reducer. Sounds dull. Just wait until you see what I'm going to use it for. <laughs> it's going to be delicious. Mm, really? See, Nine, not everyone's impressed by your loathsome lifestyle. How dare she! But you can't kill me, darling, can you? <laughs> no, I can't. Nor would I want to. Ignore Six. He has issues. Why would I kill something as precious as you? Last of the Abway. <laughs> Hang on. If your species are invulnerable to physical harm, how come the rest of them are dead? We can still die of old age. You know that. Oh, yes. Right. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, I'd forgotten that. Never mind. Panic over. I wasn't panicking. I was. I thought I'd been sold a pup. Do you fancy a coffee? We have a new machine. So I see. Do you have a two-credit coin? No, but I bet you have. Well, I'm not putting one of mine in. They're mine. Why would I give one up just for a coffee? It's your machine. You wouldn't be losing it. You can get it back out again afterwards. But what if I can't? What if it gets stuck or something? How could I enjoy the coffee with all that stress? It's two credits. My two credits? Oh. I've, I've only got one. Well, I only need one. Well, what about me? Uh, I'll let you know what it's like. Cappuccino, uh, Flaxian blend, extra sugar, extra milk, extra chocolate on top, drinking temperature. Nothing else you can add? Sadly not. Five, I maxed on everything. Of course you did. Mm, brilliant. Mm. Mm, no, that, that, that's not very nice. Oh, I'll have it. No, 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 you won't. No, it's mine. I'll just put it somewhere safe so I can look at it occasionally. Oh, unbelievable. Right. Fine. So, I'm not saying I entirely believe you or trust you, obviously. But tell me about the Nine. He's obsessively acquisitive. If something catches his eye, and most things do, he has to have it. Kid in a sweet shop, right? With the entire universe as said sweet shop. Ooh, I put that rather well. What a thought. And you know him how? Well, he has quite the reputation where I'm from. Which is? Gallifrey. Been there? No. Don't bother. The most interesting thing I can say about Gallifrey is that some very mad individuals have chosen to leave it. Like you? I'm not warming to you at all, Detective Inspector Probert. What a shame, and I'm growing so fond of you. Ah, yes. The Nine? Ah, yes. Well, we've crossed paths a few times in a number of his different incarnations, and a number of mine, too, come to think of it. But don't tell me there are nine of you, too. Oh, yes, more. Don't worry, we're all equally charming. Oh, good. <laughs> Most recently, I bumped into him on the planet Broxton, famous, of course, for the much sought-after singing trees, especially the whistling rhododendrons. 